Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Everything Ema podcast, part of the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe Tiller. We've got some great things to talk about in today's episode, but before we do, let me tell you this. If you guys want to get some cool merch, some cool swag to rack the rest of the year, we've got Heartland College Sports koozies ready to go and send your way. All you have to do is click on this podcast and leave a five-star rating and review, screenshot that review, and send it over to Pete Mundo. That's Pete, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send it his way, and he will send you back a cool Heartland College Sports koozie. It is pretty sweet. I've got one on my Dr. Pepper this afternoon, and is pretty sweet and I enjoy using it for sure. So you guys definitely need to go get some because they are incredible. But guys, other than that, we got a lot of K-State basketball to talk about. I know we're playing Texas this week. This is one of the biggest weekends in Kansas State history. We are approaching one of the biggest weeks and weekends in the history of Kansas State athletics. I want to walk you through everything that's going to happen this week. Saturday, bright and early, 11 a.m., Kansas State, Texas. Huge game. The Wildcats, 25th ranked in the country, I believe, something like that. 23rd ranked in college football, uh, in the college football playoff rankings. Take on the 7th ranked Texas Longhorns. 7th ranked in the AP poll. I believe they're also 7 in the college football playoff rankings. But what a massive opportunity for Kansas State. Currently, I believe Texas is favored by 3.5 or 4 points. The line opened at what I believe was about 5 points. And I absolutely nailed on my most recent YouTube video. I was like, you know what? I don't know what the line's going to be, but I'm going to guess about 5 points. Bam, right on the money. If you win bets for picking the lines, then I'd be on top of the moon. However, that's not really how it works, I guess. So let me double check and see. But the line has moved all the way to four and a half. So Kansas State is currently getting four and a half points on the road. The 23rd ranked, excuse me, 23rd ranked Kansas State Wildcats taking on the 7th ranked Texas Longhorns. What a day. What a game. Huge. This is huge. There's so many massive implications about this game. While I don't think there's a shot of a college football playoff berth, unless very specifically Oklahoma wins out, K-State wins out, you beat Oklahoma and they're a top 10 team, top 5 team. I mean, it would take a lot to get there. But does a two-loss Big 12 team make the college football playoff? I don't know. However, when your losses are to Oklahoma State, who should be a pretty dang good team, and then Missouri, who's currently approaching you know the top 10 status, there's a chance. I don't know that that would happen, but there's a chance. I will say this. The main focus is a Big 12 title. Getting to Arlington in back-to-back seasons would be massive. Absolutely huge. As you think about this, for the past three weeks, all we have listened to is how easy Texas and Oklahoma have it. They're going to just destroy the rest of the league. This league is awful. SEC, I mean, this is such a joke for us to be in the Big 12. What are we doing? We're the best team in the SEC, let alone the Big 12. And then we get to November. You get to late October, early November, and the narrative has flipped. There is a five-way tie for first place in the Big 12. And we're one Hail Mary away from having a six-way tie with West Virginia. Think about that. You've got Oklahoma, who took their first loss of the season against Kansas. And Kansas, yes, they're a good team. They have two losses in conference play, so that's a little bit tough. But they're still right in the thick of it as well. Oklahoma goes and loses to Kansas. And I'm not going to sit here and try to dunk on Kansas, but that defense isn't great. But they made Dylan Gabriel look bad. I mean, the people that have said Dylan Gabriel Heisman season, you're wrong. I mean, there's no way you can come back from this. If you went out and you still look like, eh, you're still not a top. I mean, I wouldn't put you over Ollie Gordon right now. That's where I'm at with uh, Dylan Gabriel. But you've got Oklahoma at 7-1 and one overall, but their conference record of 4-1. and one. one loss to Kansas, seven wins. And I think we're kind of approaching that territory where Oklahoma, you start to look at it and say, well, who have you beat? I know that's such a tough defense to say, well, Oklahoma, I don't know if you're really that team, but let's look through their schedule, shall we? Starting off, starting off the season, they played absolutely nobody 
in their non-conference schedule. There's not one signature win in this non-conference schedule. They start off by beating the Arkansas State Red Wolves 73-0. We're not learning anything there. I mean, yeah, they're putting up 70 points, which is a chunk, but it's Arkansas State. They are awful. They are so outclassed. Then you go to SMU, 28-11, Oklahoma over SMU. SMU is not good. And then you round out with Tulsa, 66-17, you beat Tulsa. Okay, those are three horrible teams. Then you take on Cincinnati, who is quite literally the worst team in the Big 12 this season. I don't think it's close. I know that, that UCF hasn't gotten to the win column, but even they played Oklahoma within two points, and we'll talk about that later. Cincinnati loses 20-6. to They only put up 20 points on Cincinnati. That's a 14-point game. That is kind of crazy when you think about it now, especially with what we know with the season. Then Iowa State, this has looked more like a big win. However, when this is kind of one of your two signature wins, it's kind of a tough one, considering Iowa State wasn't at the level they're at now. So you got Iowa State 50-20. to That is a win. Can't really discredit that a ton. And then take on Texas. You do beat Texas, but Texas also has had some fraudulent moments this season. So they beat them 34-30. to Then you beat UCF, and then you lose to Kansas. So outside of the Texas win, which is a solid win, you have beaten Iowa State, and then it's UCF or Cincinnati. And that's the team that everybody's like, oh, this is such a good team. They're going to beat it. No way, dude. Oklahoma might be good. Sure, that defense has given up a ton of points when they play anybody above average. I mean, they beat UCF by two points. Moving on to Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's sitting there 6-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one conference record. They do have the tiebreaker over Kansas State and Kansas, so those are things to consider. They're playing a huge game in Bedlam against Oklahoma this week, and I think they're about the same line. I saw it was closer to 6.5 or 7 points uh, Oklahoma favored. This game is in Stillwater, and that's all you need to know. I would be taking Oklahoma State if I was a betting man, but you know people want to bet the idea that Oklahoma's going to play pissed off after losing to Kansas. I don't think a pissed off Oklahoma makes them much better than they are now. Like, they're already a top 10 team in the country. And I know that that is a pretty, you know, indifferent thing when you think about the game-to-game basis. But Oklahoma State is one of the best teams in the country right now. Ollie Gordon is running harder than anybody in the world. If you can stop Ollie Gordon, which is the massive caveat, then you can win that game. You have to stop Ollie Gordon. But even though Alan Bowman hasn't been great, he's still been good enough to win games. I don't know. I, I like Oklahoma State this weekend. I like both Oklahoma State and Kansas State this weekend. And I know I'm talking a little specific Big 12 here. But I just want to give you an idea of where we're at. Iowa State takes on Kansas. 22nd ranked Kansas. Huge game. That's got a ton of implications for the future. Iowa State 5-3 and three overall. Lost a couple games in the non-con. But they are 4-1 and one in conference play. Have they beaten anybody good? Not really. Baylor, Cincinnati, TCU, and um, Oklahoma State. I guess they beat Oklahoma State, but that was week one of the season. So not really Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State. Then he got Texas. 7-1 overall, 4-1 and one conference record. They have beat some teams, but their thing is their quarterback. I mean, Malik Murphy did not look good in my eyes. He had one of the worst picks I've seen any Big 12 quarterback throw this season in his first start. Had a bad fumble, both in the face of pressure. And you're playing the defending champs who haven't given up a touchdown in nine quarters. Kansas State is going to make it so we see Arch Manning this weekend. I'll tell you that now. Unless, for some reason, Jonathan Brooks has a vintage B. John Robinson performance. Like, last year when you look at the box score, we had Adrian Martinez as a quarterback. And I'm not. this has nothing to do with Adrian. There's no shots towards Adrian. It's crazy to me when you look at that and you see B. John Robinson ran for 200 yards. Roshan Johnson nearly eclipsed 100 yards. We gave up almost 300 yards of total rushing yards on the ground. And that was a one-touchdown game, which K-State had multiple bad turnovers, and it was a one-score game. I don't know. I know you're playing in Austin versus in Manhattan, but there's going to be some things to talk about. But, dude, I mean, we're getting the luck that TCU had last year where they have played backup quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks. And it's not our fault. It's not somebody's fault. We're not the ones taking these quarterbacks out all the time. 
Um, like TCU kind of had that stretch last year where they would injure quarterbacks, not on purpose, but it just kind of worked out that way. This year with Kansas State, it's kind of having that. You know, you're playing a backup quarterback at TCU instead of uh, Chandler Morris. You're playing Josh Hoover. You know, you had a backup. You will probably have a backup at Kansas. We don't know what the Jalen Daniels situation is. We'll talk about that later. You know, you're playing not Quinn Ewers. You're playing Malik Murphy slash Arch Manning. But I do believe that this offense is going to be stagnant enough that you'll see some confusion from Steve Sarkeesian and the team. I fully believe that this weekend. Texas is still going to be a massive task. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to be some massive blowout like we've seen the last couple of weeks. But there is some of that there. Then you've got Kansas State. Like I said, 6-2 and two overall with losses to Missouri and Oklahoma State. They are also 4-1 and one and right in the thick of it. And I got to tell you, they have a heck of a path. They have a heck of a path to a title game. You beat Texas here, you were solidified in, not, not solidified in the tournament, or excuse me, in the post-game, excuse me, post-season championship. But boy, it's going to be tough to take you down. The Kansas game is going to be the biggest one after that. You play Iowa State, but I'm not really worried about Iowa State with, with Kansas State, with how they're playing. I think, in all honesty, it's going to be a good season for K-State. You win this game at Texas, you are set up so well. So there's your football recap. There's your football recap of what's happening in the league, where we're going from here. K-State has to win in Austin this weekend. Absolutely. And in case you want to know what else is on Saturday, Mr. Patrick Gongba, five-star center, kid from Virginia, from North Carolina, somewhere on the East Coast. I forget off the top of my head. Um, But the dude is an absolute dog. And I have never in my life seen a program rally around the recruitment of Gongba more than I've ever seen anybody. I mean, this was ridiculous. Coach Tang talked about it in his presser yesterday and basically said, you know, I have only been to two places. I've only only been to Baylor and I've only been to K-State. So I don't have a ton of stuff to pull from, but I have coaches on my staff that have been to multiple spots and recruited high-level players. None of them have ever seen anything like what this community did for Pat Gumba. This is what Kansas State is starting to do. I mean, I don't know how you could choose any other program unless it's a, all right, Duke gave me $300,000, I'm going. K-State's given me twenty, I'm going to Duke. That's the only way you can do that. Because you look about the love about the program, you look around how the fans are reacting to you, how the team's pursuing you, how everybody's pursuing you. Like, this is a difference that you're not getting anywhere else in the country. You bring out a vintage thrift guy for K-State to drip out each player on stage with vintage gear before a photo shoot. That's incredible. You know, you've got the vintage Looney Tune Kansas State shirts on underneath the K-State jackets. Like, there is something special that this staff is doing, that the program's doing, that everybody watching is doing. All the fans knowing like, hey, we got to get his pictures the most like, we got to get his videos the most like, the most shared. There is some real serious stuff for Pat Gumba, and I'm excited to see what happens on that front. But that come, that decision is ultimately coming this weekend, sometime on Saturday. He hasn't announced an official time. I'm sure that we'll get one here soon. I mean, today is Wednesday, so it's only, what, four days away from the announcement, which is crazy to think about. You got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Saturday, you hear from him. So that's huge to look at. I mean, it's a huge thing. So we'll see what happens there. And then you think about this. Tonight, we've got K-State basketball. I know it's an exhibition match, but we've got Emporia State, Kansas State. I'll be watching. I don't know if we're going to get a ton of takeaways outside of the fact that we're going to be without Naquan Tomlin. We'll talk about that in this episode before I get out of here. But I don't know what I'm looking for. I think I'm just, you know, it's Emporia State. Don't make it close, but just show some moments of like, all right, this dude can be a playmaker. This dude's going to be a playmaker. And let's see who goes from where. Because I'm going to talk about it in the next week's pod of where we're at. I mean, obviously, you'll have the USC game to draw on. But you're going to place two, you know, you're going to play two of the top 25 players in the country, two of the top 15 players in the country on USC's team. Isaiah Kohler, and then you've got um, Boogie Ellis, both. I mean, you've got some stud players for USC that K-State's going to have a tough time dealing with, especially without a guy like Naquan Tomlin. Now, let's talk about this Tomlin situation because it's not a good one, but I think ultimately it was the right decision. 
And I know that fans are going to be a little bit like, oh, it's a little bit rash. You know, you're kicking a kid off for getting arrested. Coach Tang knows, like he talked about it, and it's been going super viral. The best form of love you can show somebody is discipline. And I know that sounds like wrong at face value for those of you that might not be too into, you know, religious readings and the scriptures and everything like that. But that is kind of what God's main main thing is. He, is he disciplines those that he sees he can get more out of, that he believes in, that he knows can become good contributing members of society. That is kind of the love that the Father shows in, in a heavenly sense. That's what Coach Tang is doing. You know, Coach Tang has that view on life. He's very impacted by his upbringing through that. And I think that what you see with this, there's programs that will dismiss this. There's programs that will look away. Those programs that say, well, he's not going to practice for two days, then he'll be back. We'll get it figured out. We'll get it figured out. But, you know, Coach Tang is doing what's best for the kid. You know, sending him back to New York City would be a problem. That's an issue. You know, kicking him off campus, that's an issue. But letting him take some time to reflect on his mistakes and sort out the legal process and then exploring the possibility of a return, like, I actually really like that Coach Tang isn't saying, yeah, we're going to get this done as soon as possible and get him back on the court. Do you learn something from that? I don't know. I mean, I know I probably wouldn't. Obviously, you know, if we should judge one man by the character of his mistakes, then we have to judge everybody that way. You know, it's, it's kind of a tough tough alley to be in, but you think about what the situation was. You're at Tubby's Sports Bar at 2 in the morning. You get arrested for fighting. Let me say this. Tubby's encourages fighting. That bar is basically, you know, the gladiator pool in ancient Rome. Like, they're bringing in everybody to fight on that back patio, and I assume it's something like that. Don't know what was said, so I don't want to, you know, criticize him for that or the decision, but as an athlete, especially in a small community, Tim Fitzgerald talked about this in his daily delivery, and it was incredible. You are a big fish in a small pond. That's just how it works in, this, in the community that is Manhattan. Even though Kansas State as a brand is huge, the town is still relatively small. That will continue to change, but that is the gist of this you know, situation. Naquan Tomlin was one of two arrests made on that night. It was Tomlin and somebody else. It, not in the same situation. Don't start getting it skewed and thinking that Pat Gamba or somebody else out there was with him. It's not that, not that situation, because that we would have heard about by now. Naquan Tomlin was one of two people arrested in Manhattan, Kansas on that night. You can't escape from that. Everybody in the community is going to hear it. Everybody's going to know about it. Everything's going to this, that. That's how it goes. But I think you've got to learn to appreciate, okay, this is what I did wrong. I mean, you can be apologetic and you can feel bad and you can want to get back, but unless you've really figured out where you're going from as a person, it just doesn't really line up to get him back on the court immediately. You know, I'm not sitting here saying keep him out till halfway through the season you know don't keep him out till I mean they might keep him out till big 12 play I mean I know there's not really a set schedule about when he's going to learn his lesson but I'm interested to see what that looks like going forward because having Naquan Tomlin on the court I mean he's a he's a lottery pick in the NBA at best you know what I mean like this is a guy that can really really make some damage but it's also important to let it know like don't you know, nobody on this team is above the rest of the team. You know, you play for Kansas State, you don't play for yourself. Or, and I'm not saying you did something selfish or anything like that, but establishing that connection can really, really change things. You know, when coaches kind of come down hard on somebody and then stay away from the rest of the team, it's a little bit different. You know, and I think with, not to say Tomlin was made an example of, but it was at least nice to see consistency in everything that Tang preaches and all the stuff that he believes. Like, this was true to his rulings as well. And I don't think that means that Tomlin won't see the court again or won't see him anything like that. But what it means is that it's going to be a lot on Naquan Tomlin to figure out where he went wrong and how to become a better person because of this. And I think that's actually admirable. So I, I think we'll see Naquan Tomlin again this season. I just, it's going to be about how fast he can learn his lessons. So whether that be, you know, the legal process is going to take what it's going to take. 
I assume, you know, he was posted on $750 bail and released. Um, I don't know enough about the process. I know he was charged with, um, it was like, basically he was charged with fighting or brawling or something like that, or, you know, something conduct, you know, it wasn't great is basically what it was, but it wasn't something where it's going to be, I would assume years of jail time. You know, it's not anything crazy like that. I mean, if you get in a fight, I think more than likely the judiciary system or, you know, even just local police will see it a little bit differently because they deal with so many kids uh, that get arrested for the same thing, especially from Aggieville, especially late nights in Aggieville. So I don't know. I mean, I, I could see Tomlin getting, um, getting a little bit of a community service thing. And then, all right, maybe this time, this time, this time we have to do this or just, you know, having some type of a, a check. But Tang talked about how, Hey, we got to make sure he's getting to class. We got to make sure he's doing the right things off the court before we can even think about entertaining the idea of getting him back on the court. So I don't know. I mean, I actually kind of agree with the ruling. I know that a lot of people probably won't and they'll be upset because you're losing a basketball player. But for Tomlin's life, I mean, if this is your one mistake, this is a heck of a one. This is a heck of a time to learn. You know, you still have the opportunity. You didn't, I mean, I don't know what happened in the fight, but you didn't get to a point where it's going to throw off the rest of your life. But if you don't make some changes, it's showing that, hey, you might be on the wrong path, man. So I think I, I appreciate what the coaching staff is doing in that sense. And then getting, and then getting Tomlin back to a spot where, Hey, I can come back in and I understand from my mistakes and the rest of the team can learn from that. So that's, that's where I stand on the Naquan Tomlin stuff. There was a question asked, I forget who it was. Um, I can't tell you off the top of my head. Someone asked basically asking, uh, Hey, uh, when Tomlin comes back, because they're still looking for, you know, applications are still being accepted in terms of leadership. That's what the coaching staff has preached, trying to find that Marquise Noel type guy. You're not obviously going to replace that guy with one person, but that's kind of the gist of what they're looking for is someone to step up and hold people accountable. Someone asked, hey, when Naquan Tomlin comes back, is that is that something he could do? And Tang kind of laughed it off, and he's like, dude, I don't even know if he's coming back, essentially. You know, it was, it was nicer delivery than that, and it was more like, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, uh, the ball's in his court, but we love the kid and we'll support the kid. So I think that's something you're going to look for. But this has potential to be a massive weekend. I mean, absolutely huge. Talk about this perfect scenario. You go in, you thwomp Texas. Not just beat them, you beat the brakes off. This is the one team that Chris Kleiman hasn't beaten in the Big 12 Obviously, he hasn't played two of the teams, but prior to 2023, he has beaten every team in the Big 12 except for Texas. This is your time. Will Howard, same thing. You haven't beat Texas. This is your time. And trust me, this team is motivated out of spite. I mean, these are guys that can win games because they're, hey, don't overlook us. We're pissed off. We're hungry. We're ready. Kansas State is one of the best teams in the country, and they're playing better football than just about everybody in the country right now. I would not be surprised if they win that game. Then you turn the page and you land a kid like Patrick Gomba. I don't know what the commitment time is going to be like. I assume the afternoon, but that would be my quick reaction in that sense. As you get Gomba, you beat Texas in football, and then you go in and you beat USC in basketball. I mean, that is a Kansas State weekend for the ages. And ladies and gentlemen, I am here for it. So guys, that's going to do it for today's episode. I really appreciate each and every one of you listening. I appreciate all your continued support. This is going to be a big week, and we'll have a lot to talk about here next Wednesday. But I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. Cheer on those cats and lose your voice if you have to. Go Cats!